Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Her, a delusional book into the art of horror and all things spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Adrian, And I'm Stormy. And this week, we are going to be diving into, as you can tell by the title, 2020's The Invisible Man. But we could not tackle this movie alone. We just could not. So we brought, quite honestly, uh, just my inspiration in terms of horror content and just how often you see their face. We have the amazing Corey Corey. Yay, welcome. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for joining us. I mean writer, creator of your own blog, CoreyCorey.com, uh, of course, co-host of your own podcast, the Scream Teens podcast, not to mention uh, a Fangoria correspondent. So <laughs> quite honestly, thank you for joining us. <laughs> right. For blessing our <laughs> podcast with your presence. Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for letting me talk about this movie. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> as soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, Hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> yeah, we saw your tweet and you're like, that's it. We cleared the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so honored. No joke, Corey, not to like, you know, make you feel any type of way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we're like, you know what? Perfect timing. Let's clear the schedule. Let's fit Corey in. Let's talk about this movie because we've been wanting to talk about this movie anyways. It just, it, it had to feel like the right time to talk about it. So <laughs> this felt right. But before we jump into the details, uh, as we ask everybody who comes on, so what was like your introduction to the genre of horror? What kind of got you into it? Well, my mom growing up was really into like Halloween and decorating for Halloween. So she would take me to like Halloween decorating conventions and stuff. Um, and she made sure that I watched like the Munsters and Scooby-Doo and the Addams Family so I had like sort of the foundations of horror growing up as a kid. And then I was really fascinated with cryptids and urban legends and all that kind of stuff. Very yes, nice. I love that. Who's your favorite cryptid? Mm, I think the Megalodon, which is technically like some people argue it's not a cryptid. I think it is, but. Megalodon is definitely a cryptid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a huge fan of the Meg over here. Don't worry about it. My fave. Aquatic <laughs> <laughs> horror, I love, obsessed. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think I'm a I'm basic. I would probably go with Bigfoot just because Bigfoot is an icon. Icon, a legend. She's everything. And she can fit into <laughs> She's any, everything. She can fit into any situation. Like my little rural town, middle of nowhere farmland. I'm like, oh yeah, Bigfoot. Yeah. Really? Any little any patch of trees. I was like, you know, there's a Bigfoot out there. So I'd have to go with her just because she's <laughs> Yeah. They even have they even have one here in Arizona. So like you can find them anywhere. I bet he is hot. He's struggling <laughs> there. So much hair. He's a hairless Bigfoot in Arizona. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's adapted. He's grown into, you know, the climate. And yeah, he's a hairless Bigfoot there. I just know it. I feel like he still has a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be something there. He just looks like a really strange man. Right? Yeah, he just walks the streets. He's, he's just, just an Arizona local at this point. Like, <laughs> you know he's barefoot, though. Like... Oh, he yeah. does not adapt to shoes. Most most people here are, though. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. <laughs> uh, well, really quickly, I do want to ask, just because I love your blog and everything you write Thank is you. amazing. And I especially loved your article on The Craft Legacy, just because there was a lot of, like, ridiculous people on the internet with that movie. And I quite yeah. enjoyed it. But what would you say is, like, your favorite article that you've written thus far? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I really liked the one that I wrote about uh I wrote about the Fangoria scandal that happened in June and it was sort of 
trying to be like a message of hope, I guess, to the horror community, which was like not my place, but it's my blog and I can write what I want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We kind of need that. Any, I mean, any type of community needs somebody who can kind of just champion us through the darkest of times. Cause yeah, that was a lot. I tried. <laughs> that was a lot. It, it paid off. I mean, look at you now. The Chainsaw Awards, Corey. It was crazy. <laughs> and Gloria really said, thanks for being with us when nobody else was. <laughs> 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 Honestly, that article is really memorable for me because I feel like that's when I first started interacting with you. And you were one of our first mutuals on Twitter. So you just really have a soft spot <laughs> in our heart. <laughs> you guys were one of my first mutuals on Twitter. <laughs> You know what's so funny? And you uh, tweeted the picture like literally just yesterday, I'm sure. But it's so funny. And I talk about fate like up and down, left to right. Um, <laughs> because I remember like when literally we were, I don't know, we had like, I don't know, like four episodes of our podcast or something. And like you were still so nice. And like we were talking about the Invisible Man, I'm sure. And you were like, oh, I should go to the store in full Invisible Man get up or something along those lines. And I was like, do it. And you did it. And I was like, you know, you're a real one. It was so weird. I don't know why it did that, but it was really entertaining. <laughs> I, was, I thought, I was, you know, Corey's a real one, you know. Right. <laughs> really just solidified your spot with us. I don't bluff on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> a real one. And now here we are talking about the invisible man. So it just all comes full circle. circle. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, of course, just jump into the film then, because there's a lot to talk about um, with this movie. There's just a lot of heavy topics to also kind of you know, work our way through. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Hey, everybody. So if you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really, really beneficial. We're open to ideas and feedback. It really goes a long way. So go ahead and look into giving us a rating. Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and many more places. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. The Invisible Man is a 2020 film directed by Lee Winnell and is a modern take on H.G. Wells' 1897 novel. The film follows Cecilia as she is attempting to escape her abusive ex, Adrian. The film stars Elizabeth Moss as Cecilia, Oliver Jackson Cohen as Adrian, Harriet Dyer as Emily, uh, Adias Hodge as James, and Storm Reed as Sydney. So, The Invisible Man. Now, Corey, first and foremost, what about this movie made you want to just talk about it with us or talk about it in general this movie like ever since i saw it in theaters has never left me i think about it every single day and just how genius it is and i think it's like the perfect way to describe how horror can sort of expand empathy and like why horror is such an important genre to talk about societal issues i feel like this movie does that perfectly i agree on top of just lee winnell is just amazing he is a king <laughs> like the directing uh just the shots in the film i mean from the jump the opening scene is probably one of the first like just the most oh gorgeous scenes yeah. i like ever have ever seen the title card the title card alone <laughs> the water i was like I, when i watched this movie in theaters first and foremost it is one of those movies where i'm very happy it came out like right before the pandemic right before covid because it's one of those films are watching in a theater really heightened the experience oh my without God. 
intense. Everybody like felt everybody was quiet. Nobody wanted to do or say anything. It was almost like watching a quiet place because yeah. everyone was just like so on edge. So I'm so happy I got to see this in theaters as well before <laughs> before everything happened. It's another one of those movies. Maybe I'm just old and I need new glasses, but it's so dark in the very beginning. It's so hard to see. I saw it for the <laughs> I saw it for the first time at home. And Adrian talked about it in our insidious episode, but I was just like, is my TV on? I can't see what's happening. <laughs> I don't know if I need to fix my settings or I'm just need to accept that I'm old, but <laughs> that's my only like my single gripe with this movie is the first scene so dark so many movies are doing that now and I understand why they are but it's so difficult to see anything happening like when I watched Relic I was so confused (laughs) I can't my eyes are like I first and foremost to expose myself like I haven't updated my prescription in like the longest time so like my eyesight is already so like on the verge of just collapse so when movies are super dark like this it it's a strain for me to watch and like fully concentrate because sometimes it's just difficult but I do love that the movie then transitions into being very bright like the rest of the movie feels very bright uh it's very well lit you can see everything and I think that obviously was an intentional choice for us to be able to see everything that was happening and look at every little object that was in the kitchen or in the dining room because I mean he could be anywhere pretty much well and I think the transition definitely speaks for the tone that he kind of wanted to set, like in the beginning, you're supposed to feel the despair of an abusive relationship. And then she thinks that she's getting this light. She's getting, she's escaping. She's supposed to have this grandeur life that she's been chasing after. And so it's very bright and little does she know that she's still stuck in that same terrible place. In the movie, I mean, obviously it looks into tackling a very heavy topic in terms of abuse and abusive relationships and just the toxic, like the toxic nature of some of these things. And I kind of like that the film kind of just throws us into it. Like we are thrown into, again, a very intense opening scene in which she's trying to escape uh, from Adrian's home, a gorgeous, stunning home. I can only imagine, I can only dream. Um, But we're kind of thrown right into it. We don't get a lot of backstory or development as to the abuse itself, which I think allows us to kind of just, I mean, of course, just journey with Cecilia through the after effects of it. So I don't hate that. Uh, I guess in terms of character development, it feels like it probably could have done a little bit more with that. But I think that just the story that is told and the acting altogether just kind of helps at least solidify the story itself. But I don't mind that we're kind of just thrown into that straight from the jump. I think they that might have been a choice as to like, we can sort of project our own experience experiences onto that or at least anyone that's experienced abusive relationships can sort of just like think about their own within that relationship because I think we could at least assume what would have happened like we all sort of knew what kind of relationship they had so and she does I guess give us like a little bit of an idea a little bit later as well after uh she figures out or is told that he has killed himself and she kind of sits down with her sister and James at that point and kind of gives us a little bit of an idea as to the abuse that she was enduring. But yeah, I mean, she does eventually escape, of course, from his home. And she then is, I, I feel so bad. And I like, I've seen the movie a few handful of times. So I don't know why I just assume that James is uh, Emily's like ex-boyfriend or something. I don't, are they even like a thing? It's a completely random <laughs> topic, but Interesting. I don't know. Are they just friends? I don't know why I assume that like they're together and like Sydney's their daughter. I don't, 
I just have that built in my head. And I tell everybody when we watch the movie for the first time, I'm like, oh yeah, that's her ex, I'm sure. But, and I paid attention this time. I was like, I don't know if I'm correct. And they don't like make any mention really of a relationship, but. Personally, I think it's probably just a really close friendship. Um, There may be some type of chemistry, but that might just be us projecting. I think we always want like a happy ending for somebody in that instance. So. I just want James happy. Oh, (laughs) James is the only one that matters here. I just want him to be happy. What a gorgeous man. He was such a good friend. Yes, honestly, truly. Him and Sydney both were the only trustworthy cop. <laughs> honestly, truly. It's it really is just, you know, the he is the type of man that everybody needs. Uh yes. just so nice. He's just there. Even at, up until the end, not to like jump to the end, but even up until the end, he's like literally by Cecilia's side, which is I think is something she needs. She needs a good support system. Even after she, like he thinks that she hit her daughter when he's in the interrogation scene, he's like, I never should have left you. Like most people would never even consider that. So I thought that was a really great choice on how to like portray his character. Yeah, he's great. I love him. He's probably one of my favorite characters in this movie. Uh, just because of that. He's just, I don't know. I'm really, I'm all about like a supportive individual. Like I love that. I aspire to be as supportive as, you know, James is in this movie. Because sometimes it's pretty tough. And I kind of feel like I fall in line with Emily. Like the tough love kind of aspect of her character. Uh, I kind of fall into that, but I don't know. James is my favorite in this movie just because of how sweet he is to her. The aspiration is there, but like you said, I don't, I don't know if I quite, if I quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, initially, again, straight out of the relationship, she's still kind of going through a lot. And Elizabeth Moss does like such a great job just with her acting in this film. Um, everybody's favorite Scientologist, Elizabeth Moss. Um, she does great in this movie. And I think one thing that really does um I just, I don't know. I really love it. It's when she tries to, of course, go to the mailbox for the first time, just because that journey alone is so tough for her to do on her own. And I don't know. I just find that scene just, it's one of my favorites in the movie for even how short it is. I just think it's a great scene. Definitely. That runner, he's really given his all too. He's just hauling ass on this sidewalk. It was so scary. (laughs) Yeah, he was so terrifying. Let's be real though. She was right. People that jog are insane. So (laughs) They're either insane or they're the first to get murdered as far as like my knowledge goes because there's always a jogger that like dies on some type of trail so what I took away from that is like we don't jog if you want to stay alive you want to stay sane there you go (laughs) I always think of Ma now every time I see a jogger just because of the way she mows down (laughs) I just I'm now I've literally always been afraid not to like jog in a residential area now because of that movie. I was like, because <laughs> it's such a visceral scene. But that's what I think about when I see joggers. Or or the um the grandpa from Get Out. <laughs> it's just oh. where he just hauls <laughs> ass up the scene. So like I said, just joggers can't be trusted. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean it's crazy because then again, this is also like immediately we're thrown into Adrian um having committed suicide, is what we are told. And the gaslighting begins, the journey begins for Cecilia immediately. Uh, obviously, she's an uh, inheritance, or how, what, how do you say that? She comes into money, <laughs> thanks to Adrian. Yeah. $5 million, like... All for the price of one Hancock and a whole lot of trauma. I mean, listen, she did her time. She deserved that money. She really did. I feel like she should have known right away, like, not to trust the brother. Just his eyes... I don't know. I don't. So creepy. (laughs) I don't trust it. Also, 
lawyers a little bit questionable <laughs> sometimes. So I think all of it was pretty questionable just because like the specific thing about her not being mentally ill, like that would have tipped, I think that should have tipped her off. And the fact that Adrian is gaslighting beyond the grave is insane. It's impressive. It really is. Honestly, hats off to her sister because she shuts that shit down. She's like, you're not going to do this to her right now. Which I loved. I love that. But yeah, from the jump, this he's a sleazeball, like straight <laughs> from the jump. So, and that urn is so atrocious. I can't, oh I, can't get behind, I can't get behind it. Honestly, I would be so pissed. First of all, I'm going to be pissed if you put me in an urn, period. Like, just throw me in a river somewhere or, I don't know, drop me at Halloween Horror Nights and run. But um, (laughs) I would hate that. Don't, no. I don't know. It just, it's, to me, it's also just more of just how, how much he's putting an effort into gaslighting her pretty much. Because even his urn, even his ashes just being present is just like so. It's so planned out. Yes. He's like a Scooby-Doo villain. Like, it's crazy. I think one of the most impressive things about this movie too is how it highlights sort of like when you've been through that kind of traumatic situation, the thought of it continuing, like even after he was dead, her thinking that he was going to follow her. I think that's such a perfect way to like describe someone's mental state after an experience like that and why it's so terrifying to just walk to the mailbox. I thought it did such a good job of that for anyone that hasn't experienced it to be able to sort of empathize with it. Right. And definitely gives a visual for any type of PTSD or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's done well. I mean, through the acting, of course, as well. Elizabeth, she really does like shine in this movie. It's so crazy. Oh my God. The way that she just acts by herself with no one in that room, like. I was the scene in which, uh, like, right after Sydney's hit and James leaves the home and she's sitting in that room by herself and she lays out the coffee beans um, and just. Her acting in that scene is insane. And like in yeah. this recent rewatch, I was like, girl, I would have been like, I wouldn't have been able to keep a straight face. I would have been laughing because <laughs> even some of the lines are just kind of funny. She's like, so why me? You know, I was just a suburban girl. and I, But she does it so well, like, and it works and it feels natural. But I was like, in my head, I was like, if I were saying that line of dialogue, it would just seem so funny. So the fact that she's able to take something like that and just make it sound so emotional is amazing. I was definitely waiting for the Jennifer Love Hewitt moment where she's just standing <laughs> in the middle of the street like, Bye. what are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, what are you waiting for? <laughs> we, I mean, uh, we don't, I guess we really don't get that, but she screams her lungs off at the end of this, like the last 30 minutes, she's screaming. It's ridiculous. I mean, from the restaurant scene on, like she's on a different yeah. level at that point. That scene where the people in the hospital are grabbing her by her legs. Yeah. There's nothing like it. It's insane. Or even when, like, she's first brought into it and she's sedated and, like, just the way she's staring at, like, not what we perceive as nothing. I mean, who knows if he was there or not. But the way she's just staring at, like, the shower and, like, screaming that she can see him, it's just, it's so visceral. It's so raw. And it just, she's fantastic in this movie. She is in every single scene in this movie, like, literally, like, she's on screen, like, the entire time. And, I mean, kudos to her. She deserves. It was amazing. The fact that she didn't get nominated for an Oscar for this role, or that this movie didn't get nominated for any Oscars at all, just really bugs me. Fangoria really made up for it, though, because they said, oh, yeah. now wins everything. <laughs> As he should. Yes. This is the best movie should, for sure. It was so good, yes. This movie is fantastic. And I can, just the writing even itself is just, uh, I don't know. I think 
kind of taking, I mean, because the story itself is pretty straightforward. The original story, obviously, he's, you know, a mad scientist, pretty much. He goes, he can figure out how to be invisible and he just runs in and uses it as, you know, a crazy man would. But the fact that they take uh, a story of abuse and, you know, copy and paste that into The Invisible Man is great because when you kind of think about real world abusers, uh, for a lot of people, they can maybe come off as invisible or they blend into the crowd really well because you hear that so frequently with abuse stories where like, well, you know, I, he didn't look like that type of person or, you know, he- A pillar of the community. Yeah, a pillar of the community. He was great. I couldn't even imagine who, like, and their, it, their actions are invisible to a lot of people. So I think it adds another layer to this movie that, I mean, who would have thought, you know? And it just, it's great. It's fantastic. It's so genius. And I can't believe that like no one thought to do that before. But like, it's such a perfect way to portray gaslighting because you just literally cannot see what's happening. And even when people are supporting her, like they still think she's crazy. So it's just such a great way to do that. And I was shocked because I did not think that a white man would be able to portray gaslighting so well. (laughs) No, like I just didn't think that Lee Winnell, I don't know, I was sort of upset before I saw it, because I was like, how was he going to write this in a way that's respectful to abuse survivors? But oh my God, this was like perfect. Agreed. I didn't, well, not to say I didn't think he had it in him, but it just, it felt kind of left field, you know, from what he was writing previously. I, I just didn't understand how he would do it, you know, like how he would really understand it, but. He did it. He did it so well. It's great. It really, And it's, I mean, the story is told so well that there's times, even like in like my fifth rewatch of it, where sometimes I'm like, maybe she is crazy. Maybe she is seeing things like everything is just so brilliantly uh, done on Adrian's part that it just sometimes I'm questioning myself, like literally on the upteenth rewatch. I'm like, maybe she is crazy. Maybe I switch into an alternate alternate dimension and the movie's going to end completely different because I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like she looks pretty crazy in some of those scenes. It's scary. Well, and that's the shitty thing about being gaslighted and being abused is that they do it so well that people do assume you're crazy. And it honestly can push you to the point where you honestly might go a little bit crazy. So it's enough to make you crazy. It makes sense. Right. I did a fantastic job. Like, I, I can't get over it. When I first watched it, I did not enjoy this movie. Um I don't know why. I just didn't vibe with it. Maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset. I was going through... Maybe because I was dealing with gaslighting myself. And so it's one of those like hard truths. But now it's amazing movie. It sits with you. It really does. I mean, and even kind of just going, um, I guess, a little bit more surface level beyond the abuse part of it. Just the aspect of the horrific part of it is just ridiculous. I remember after I watched this movie and I went home and like anytime any, any little thing moved, like the door, like there was a slight breeze and the door moved just a little bit. I was like, the rest of the week, I was like on edge, like because I, I check my bed every night. I check inside my closet every night. Like I touch in front of me because it just it was done so well that it it freaked me out genuinely for a good amount of time. Beyond just being a great film, I saw those with my parents in theaters, and I have literally never seen my dad like jump at a film because he watches he watches like everything, and he will watch like you know the crime file TV shows at like midnight and be fine. But literally. The, in the theater, like everyone, including him, would like jump at all the scenes. So it was so cool. That movie, though, like I still think about it. I like I still can't on as many times as I rewatch it. I still freak out every time. It makes me so anxious. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, and the scares work so well. Um, like the attic scene is great. And I was, I'm so upset that they did put that in the trailer though, because that makes yeah. me, because it was like the best scare in the movie to me at least. Cause I've watched this movie. Well, I made my sister watch it recently for the first time and she had seen nothing of it. She hadn't seen a trailer. She went into it completely blind and out of like every scare in the film, the attic scene got her the most, like, cause it just, it was done so well. And I was like, damn it, I wish that wasn't in the trailer. Cause even in theaters, I mean, regardless, the the tension and the buildup to that scare worked either way. It still made me jump like crazy. But that's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. I think for me, the scariest part was the restaurant scene. Cause I just like, I was like, there's no way he's going to make a scene in a restaurant. Like I, he's invisible. He's not going to want anyone to see him. Oh my God. It happened so fast too. <laughs> we didn't give it any time. Yeah, jaw was on the floor. My jaw was like, I couldn't. <laughs> Locked jaw had set in. I was so shocked. That, I literally, it gave me the same reaction, but in like a different, in an opposite reaction, I guess, to when they did the kiss in Freaky. I was just like, they're not going <laughs> to do that. And then they did. That kiss in Freaky, though, really did send me into orbit. because uh, That um, was so beautiful. <laughs> it was a beautiful scene. But out of context, it's so confusing. <laughs> yes. If you were to walk in and I was like, that was the scene that you walked in on. <laughs> You're just like, I, uh, what are you watching? <laughs> I'd be put in jail immediately. They would call the police on me. Um, but yeah, it's one of those moments where you don't think it's going to nothing could happen. In this well-lit restaurant, Amelia, uh, not Amelia, Emily's being a little snarky with the waiter. You know, it just feels very natural. It feels very, you know, I get, where does this take place at? Oh, San Francisco. Um it just feels very natural I guess in a way and then just I'm also annoyed that like oh my god I guess it just works I mean I'm like I wish somebody would have saw something I wish somebody would have saw this damn knife floating in the middle of the air well to me I'm like that restaurant would have had some security cameras that would have seen that or security cameras yes the hospital definitely would have but I'm sure anyone that saw it in the restaurant would have just been like oh it might have looked like the knife was floating but my brain was just doing crazy stuff and she was holding you know like they would have just rationalized it but um that scene like I just can't believe that they did that and I think it that's another thing about it that's so great is that you totally think she's safe there because it's such a public place and even then he still gets her so she really isn't safe anywhere and that really that really messed up my entire like sense of security afterwards i was walking through the parking lot after i was like oh my god there's nowhere you can go <laughs> just walking around everywhere i see you screaming at him yeah the the grocery store, like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great and it sucks too because at that present time her sister's actually kind of actually gonna finally listen to her and like possibly help her out oh my god well she she believed her in the end <laughs> she had no option to but <laughs> but even the email that he sent oh my god the email like full jersey shore vibes just like <laughs> sending an email i'm dating myself but full jersey shore vibes with that email it's so uh, it's just upsetting it's just so upsetting everything that he does to her in this movie the interview as well I, that was so sad that was so sad and the and the interviewer was like flirting with her and i was like oh she's finally gonna get her life back on track that was kind of unprofessional, but still, like. <laughs> and he was even so nice, even, like, after that happened, where he was like, yeah. oh, you know, well, send us your work, send us your work, it's okay. And then she had to get up and just pass out because she had been drugged. Which has got to be so embarrassing. Like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Interviews are scary as it is. Yeah. Like, it's a nerve-wracking thing in general. And for her to be kind of putting herself back out there in such a big way, like, really putting yourself in, like, a well-populated, busy space like that and having to, yeah. like, you know, 
control your emotions as best as you can and kind of ease back into because he was controlling like she said everything the way she looked the way she spoke the what she thought it got you know to where what she thought even so it was probably going to be very difficult for her anyways to in, integrate back into society and be her own person so it was a big jump for her and the fact that god i hate him i really do <laughs> hate him isn't he the worst just the yes. worst well and once again it's so perfect as to like how he controls everything because like you never would think like, oh, she could probably get a job. But then you think about everything he did, like, oh, at least her sister would be her friend or like whatever. And she has James and whatever. He cuts everyone off from her, makes sure she is completely isolated and cannot do anything, even when he's not like, even when they're not in a relationship. So you can see, like, that's exactly what people do in abusive relationships. And you can't see it. No one around you can see it. So I thought it was just such a perfect metaphor for that. Yeah, it's brilliant. It really is. It's going to be so good. It really it's is so, so smart. Good. Yes, it really is. It's so well written and it just, yeah. and it's not like- The direction again, alone too. I literally, oh, it's so good. The way that half the scenes you never, like we'll never know if Adrian was actually there. Also that, I think about that constantly. I'm like, is she really, I feel like he's not here in this scene, but oh my God, I think- one of the most unsettling scenes is when she's sleeping, obviously when Cecilia's sleeping with Sydney, and he's like pulling the blanket and taking pictures. And I'm just like, sir, I need you to like chill out because. How did they? I just want to know how they filmed all of these, like the footprints and everything. How did they do that? It's just so cool. How did they do that? They have, they have us, they have some stuff online about the making of it, but I still just everything the entire time I was watching that movie I was like how'd they do that how'd they do that like <laughs> yeah so much CGI uh, they did a lot of practical effects as well I'm sure uh mm. or I had read obviously where they use a lot of wiring and stuff and you know old school stuff pretty much we love it yeah it's brilliant on top of the CGI and on top of everything else and it's just so well done but yeah the footprints in the sheets is <laughs> that freaks me out every time again it's so smart like it's it's such a simple scare and that's another thing. Lee Winnell is just so good at that. I think he has such a love for horror and he understands fear so well. And then that that saw sort of twist at the end where it's not even Adrian, it's the brother. Yeah. I just thought that was like classic. <laughs> Classically, Winnell. Yeah, very yeah. bad. Yeah, it's very funny. Ah, he's great. And even in, in that same scene, though, in the room, like with the chair and just, just we're staring at a chair doing nothing. And again, we don't know if he's there yeah <laughs> and it just it works so well like it just everything is so intense it really is and the score is just so minimal the sound in this yes it's gorgeous also the way that every like all this the background noise in this sounds like footsteps like that that scene at the beginning with all the waves I was like I could never leave live in a beach house I guess because it's just it sounds like people are there yeah, it sounds like things are happening constantly. Or the, I always feel like it's breathing. Like I always hear breathing. That's what freaks me out. Cause that's in my day-to-day life. That's what I think I hear constantly. I'm like, I feel like I hear somebody else breathing. I freak myself out. <laughs> the anxiety sets in, but that's what I hear in this movie is a lot of breathing and I hate it. It's so gross. And that scene where he breathes behind her in the fog. Yep. <laughs> I think about that. I think about that far too much. <laughs> It's uh-huh. so scary. It's too hot there. You'll never see it. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do love the nod to the original with the dress form. Um, whenever they're, I think she wakes up like in the middle of the night and the dress form is in Sydney's room. Oh, and, um, yes. Looks exactly like 
the original Invisible Man. I love that. And the guy at the hospital that's wrapped up. Yep. Oh, yes. Okay. I was able to catch that one. Listen, we're a delusional <laughs> for a reason. Uh, <laughs> I did catch that one. But yeah, I never thought about the mannequin in Sydney's room, obviously thinking full Invisible Man get up. And there's also a small nod to Saw because whenever she takes the car um, towards the end when Adrian drives away, or we think it's Adrian, um, drives away and she steals the other car, um, there's a little Billy the Puppet painting on the, Aww. on the uh, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called. The, uh, like the, the road blocker thingy. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll have to rewatch it. That's so cute. I love it. Yeah, there's a little Billy. Aww. <laughs> little Billy. You know what bugged me? Why didn't she? I really wanted her to take the dog. I know she kept running away <laughs> and she didn't really have time, but I was like, who is feeding the dog? Is Adrian feeding the dog? Because this happened over the span of months. So the dog was just in the house and he w- could see Adrian even when he was invisible. So I was like, this is the tool you need. Just take him on a leash and you'll always know. And it I don't know. She had a service dog at her fingertips and she yeah. left him behind. And he's also like an attack dog. Like that was a scary looking dog. So she didn't even need to go to her sister. She could have just had that dog <laughs> with her at all times. That's what I would have done. I don't know how she would have like tossed him over that little wall, but. <laughs> oh, also that. <laughs> she could have gotten a drone and like airlifted him out. <laughs> she just has like a pulley system. Yeah. And just like lifts him up, up and over. She could have gotten a dog at a shelter though too or anything. Just like any kind of animal that could have told her. Right. Like in Bird Box. <laughs> yeah, it's very that. But then you traumatize the dog and they're just scared of everything. So. That's true. <laughs> but if you adopt a dog from a shelter, they're probably already traumatized. So. Fair enough. So we're just adding trauma to trauma at this point. We can trauma bond. <laughs> With your dog. <laughs> but that's what dogs are for, truly. They pick up on your energy. Your dogs mirror you 100%. So... That's me and my waiter dog. <laughs> me and him trauma bond. He's scared of everything. And I'm like, same, bro. Same. Mine too. My dog has severe PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I can't have an animal. Cause I feel like I, it's going to, it's going to pick up on my energy and it's going to be like skittish. And I don't want, I don't want to do that to a poor baby. <laughs> I do want a cat though. Cause I feel like a cat will help center me. Cats don't care. Yeah. No. Cat, a cat will be fine. See, and the cat would be able to see him too. So it's like, you could do anything. Yes. I mean, that was my biggest gripe too. The first time I watched this movie, when uh, I had left the theater, that's why I told my roommate Shannon immediately. I was like, why, where, why don't you take the dog? Like, I'm so upset. Like the dog. And again, and it's just there, like you said, living in that area, I guess. Like, was he just there that whole time? (laughs) Just vibing, just chilling. (laughs) Hopefully there's food somewhere. I mean, was Adrian trying to keep him alive? Because it seemed like Adrian was mean to the dog too. So I just don't, I don't know. And maybe Adrian, I don't know, it's tough because I also feel like maybe he was like living in James's house for a bit watching Cecilia. I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of what they give us the vibe with, with the whole attic scene. And you can even see like pieces of food and stuff like in the far corner in that scene also. So we're kind of given the assumption that he's there constantly. But I was like, well, maybe he's going back to the house frequently. Maybe it was the brother then? Oh, yeah, there's two of them. Gosh, darn it. I keep forgetting this is like full screen the house downs, Billy and Stu. Uh, I keep forgetting that there's two of them. Oh, well, but they're siblings. 
not boyfriends. <laughs> they subscribe to the idea that Billy and Stu are dating. <laughs> Billy and Stu would never. Billy and Stu are great. Okay, guys, we're not going to compare them. <laughs> yeah, Adrian and Tom are actually like scum of the earth. So yeah. <laughs> Billy and Stu may be murderers, but they're different murderers. Okay, <laughs> they're better. It's different. <laughs> you don't understand. They're queer coded to like high heavens for us so they they just spoke to a lot of us in a different way back in the day <laughs> it's true and matthew lillard it's shaggy i've been in love with matthew lillard since i was a child so i am too <laughs> and he's still great on good girls he plays the dad in good girls and he is so he is such a shining light in that show it's so talented i love him <laughs> this is just turning into us fangirling over matthew lillard and lee Winnell. i mean we can make it like come full circle by saying like scooby-doo vibes that's why we brought up matthew lillard there we go <laughs> so smart um i would have lived for a moment where they just like full scooby-doo just ripped the like suit off and exposed it they sort of did that with the brother but it just wasn't as you know it wasn't as fun yeah <laughs> Yeah, but that whole scene too at the very end when James is like near death. I hate it. I hate punching. It's so sad. And well, and and his daughter having to watch that, like that is so traumatizing. Also, Storm Reed's performance in this movie was insane. Okay. She was the youngest, she's the youngest cast member, and she literally hold, held her own like with Elizabeth Moss. It was crazy. She's so talented. This is why we rally for teens to play teens because nobody can fucking do that. <laughs> exactly. As a whole ass adult. This is what happens when you have teens play teens. Just saying. Exactly. Especially with the dialogue. Uh, and it's a very silly scene, but when um, Cecilia buys him the ladder for the first time, that was the most like comforting, like most, I felt so comfortable in that scene. It felt so warm. If it like just felt so natural, they're adorable. And plus if I was getting $10,000, was it $10,000 a month? Yeah. I mean, come on. I would have been, I would have been super, I would have been natural on screen too, girl, if I was getting $10,000 a month. <laughs> well, you get that sense of like warm, like they're a big happy family, but this camera pans away to like the kitchen and it's like, it already alludes that they're being watched and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> it just ruins it. <laughs> you're like, thanks Lee. His, oh my God. The camera zooms are great. I, um, I, I called them the paranormal activity shots because of paranormal totally. activity three when it, when they set up that whole crazy contraption where the camera just pans like that because at the very beginning when cecilia is changing out of her sleeping clothes into like her getaway outfit uh and it pans over to the hall and then it pans over to her and then like pans again to the hall the poor cinematographer must be so tired after every day on set <laughs> you probably especially with the attic scene that attic scene was so dark i don't know how the lighting worked in there but it worked they did great but yeah they did use a lot of robot arm shots in this movie um so thankfully there's not one poor man just rolling all over the ground all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that'd be so the funny. arm strength, honestly. <laughs> oh my god, couldn't be me. <laughs> no. But they do use a lot of the same tricks that paranormal activity uses too, with like the invisible stuff just moving, like the knife and the we watched that frying pan for like what three minutes. <laughs> and it's so scary. Like barely anything is happening, but it's such, it's just so terrifying. So, yeah. Also, I'm, <laughs> I'm so, 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 and I, this is why Sydney's also so great in the film, because I would have fucking threw water onto that fire immediately. I'm a moron. <laughs> so, I don't Me know too. Thing. I don't, I just do, when I've been around fires, I always just throw water onto them, but it does make it worse sometimes. But With grease, you have to do flour. <laughs> 
flower. Oh. Yeah, flower or... Don't you just cover it? I mean, you can, yeah, because it kills off the oxygen. I can't even at this point. It's the mom powers. Yeah, it really is. I call... Stormy's, she's my backbone. <laughs> I would be just in deep shit constantly. Um, I want to talk about the kitchen scene where she's just getting her ha- ass absolutely handed to her. And half of that was just Elizabeth Moss. Like, there wasn't... For some of that, there wasn't a person there. Yeah. Um, the acting skills that it takes to act like you're being attacked by a whole ass human and really it's just you. I would be, I would feel ridiculous to be fighting nothing. But she does it so well. Hats off to her, dude. And watching the behind the scenes of that scene in particular is incredible. Do recommend yeah. if you haven't seen it. It's such a beautiful piece of like, uh, like a love letter to like cinema almost and just like camera work at its finest everything about that scene is so visceral and you can absolutely like feel everything that's happening and you know exactly where adrian is yeah even if you can't see him so it's just amazing but yeah that kitchen scene's insane it really is truly insane it's full wwe in that bitch and <laughs> she is being choke slammed and like body slammed and it's ridiculous and when he literally throws her across the kitchen like oh i like i was also watching an episode of charmed and like she just fucking she <laughs> flew but it feels practical feels like you said, visceral feels so real. It's insane. Um, another scene too, though, I want to talk about when, well, well, first, actually, can we just talk about how she's also pregnant? I was like, he's going to kill the baby. Like I was, first of all, he drugged her so that he, she would faint all this stuff. I was like, he does not want her to keep this child. That's why when I originally watched it, I thought he like raped her like sometime after when he was invisible. Did I miss something? And that's not what happened. I thought that's what happened. That's what I thought. Because the brother said that she wasn't on birth control, right? Well, she was taking it secretly, like behind. No, but but he knew. Oh, I got you. And he replaced it with, I guess, sugar pills or something. Right, 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 right. So I don't know if that's when she got pregnant or if it was after. I don't know. They said it was like within a month. As far as we know, the movie's only like... Like what, like two weeks different from the beginning to when everything kind of starts. It's like a two-week time frame. So I'm assuming it is within like a month's time frame. But I, yeah, I don't know. It I always assumed it was already after he had become invisible. And it certainly could have been. But either way, I was like, I don't understand the timing of like when, because he had to have known she was pregnant. Even when he was like, or or when he slashed the throat, like that kind of trauma can also like cause really intense reactions so i just was he doesn't clearly doesn't care that much about the kid as much as he like seemed to i don't know oh no it's definitely just a way to make sure that he has control over her and will always have that but i was like she's gonna lose the baby like he's not gonna have the control yeah i don't think i kind of i was always kind of in vain with stormy's thought process there too in terms of i don't i think it was just like another mechanism to control her and it was kind of like when she finally threatened to harm herself is when he kind of like really like fully stepped in and was like girl like revealed himself and she's like there you are and i just love when she grins yeah ah so good that was so good with the pen oh my god she just went for it. I was so glad. Because you you so rarely see that. Even with good final girls, like, 
their fights back are usually not that intense. She like went at him and did not stop. It was awesome. It's always those like really annoying, like one hits and then they run away and they're really not dead. She was here to kill. (laughs) (laughs) She's been waiting for this moment. She's dreamt about it. She was made for this. Yeah. (laughs) When I watched it at home, I was like, go, go, go. Oh, yes. Yes, very much. I hype, I'm like hyping her up on myself in my room, just like screaming at my TV. But yeah. that whole scene in the in the police station is insane. Like those cops are getting knocked out. <laughs> I don't even know if they're dying, but they're just one hit yeah. and they're out. I never know if I need to add them to the kill count or not because you literally can't tell if any of them die. <laughs> A lot of them got shot, so... <laughs> and the way that Adrian taunts that one where he like grabs the gun, he's like, Boom. And then he kills him from behind like a fucking pussy anyways. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I kind of love that scene though. I was like, that's good for him. <laughs> it's so insane. And then even when she runs outside and she's messing around with the cars. The rain. Yes. That was such a good scene. A- again, like all of this is just so genius because you can tell that he probably, that Lee Winnell probably had so many situations like this where he was just looking around and was like, this would be scary if there was someone here that he couldn't see. Yes, it's so good. Well, and it just adds to that visual that, like, to somebody on the outside, it's this woman who escaped from a... Yeah, who killed someone. Yeah, a mental health facility and is literally just, like, losing her shit in the middle of the rain, yelling at somebody (laughs) that you can't see, so... Shooting randomly. Right. (laughs) It's true. Stealing cars. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, it's not really, like working in her favor but I mean she yeah. has to do what she has to do and then okay we kind of glossed over it but I do want to kind of come back to the scene in which Sydney is hit because I I hate it because it kind of annoys me because that scene makes me so upset every single time like just thinking about it makes me so upset like logistically she is so far away from that child that the Sydney should have assumed that I don't know what she could have assumed honestly but like, you know that I didn't hit you. You know what I mean? Like, but it sucks because she is the only other person in the room. Yeah. So like, she has nobody else, but like, I mean, most rational people aren't going to be like, oh, Casper's in here. <laughs> it was like, the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would honestly just be like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also that. I mean, she, he hit her hard. She started bleeding. So that's how I can sort of assume that like, I would have been really scared too. And And, but to me, I was like, there is a line that you don't cross where like, sure, you can go after Cecilia and it's bad, but now you're going after like, what, a 17 year old, 18 year old girl who did absolutely nothing wrong and is literally just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like that to me was so much worse. And that was one of the scariest parts of the movie. Cause I was like, he's willing to go that far, which is like, so like Billy and Stu wouldn't go that far is what I mean to say. Like, (laughs) Like, he's so much worse than a serial, like, your borderline or your textbook serial killer. Like, I don't know. That really solidified how much I hated him. Me and Stormy talked about it. Well, the episode's going to come out later. (laughs) But when we discussed Sinister, we kind of talked about how, like, with children or, you know, minors in movies or horror movies specifically, like, sometimes that's taboo. Anything happening to a child or visually seeing something happen to a child on screen is like the most, it could be, it's the most uncomfortable thing really to witness. So yeah, it puts him in a different league of asshole, truly the fact that he would be willing to hit this young girl like that. And this one, like this one wasn't like, cause you know, I can watch it and be fine, 
and like not really be like oh how dare he but for some reason this like him just punching her in the face in I don't know to me it just felt so like feral like it was just so wild I just couldn't deal with it yeah truly awful and again Storm Reed's acting in that insane and James too his acting in that scene is amazing also because I was like I, I would have started crying if I was Cecilia. Why isn't he in more movies? I need him leading a TV series like now. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good in this movie. His facial expressions are amazing. Especially, I mean, the ending scene as well. Just the way he reacts to Elizabeth Moss. Oh my God, that ending scene. So, so good. good. Just chef's kiss. Right. <laughs> yes. It just works out so perfect. And it just, I guess, jumping to the ending. I mean, because... Well, the fact that, again, yes, they discover it's his brother or whatever, and he magically comes back from the dead, and he just expects everything to be normal, and she heads there, looking stunning, gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and just, he just, his demeanor, it just, the, it's the charisma that he just displays, and like it makes you also feel, again, it, even though we knew that somebody was there, we could kind of also maybe assume it was Tom, just because the way he just comes off is so charming in that scene. So you're still kind of like, maybe she is still kind of a little bit crazy. Maybe he was nice to her the entire time, just because it's just, he's so well, he does so well in that scene. He's so dirty. Well, that to me, like, I've known a lot of people that are like, not necessarily abusers, but emotional abusers, certainly. And like, they do that exact same thing where they're so charming and so great. And you're like, oh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe they're not a bad person, you know? So watching that scene, I was like, oh my God, this is so perfect. Yeah. I was like, this is exactly it. This is exactly what abusers do every single time. And I think, I don't know the actor's name that played Adrian, but he was so perfect at doing it in like a, like somewhat sinister, but still charming way. I thought it was so well done. He, by the way, has like what, 10 minutes of screen time. He acts the hell out of this movie. He really milks every second he has. He's so good. So I'm going to serve those 10 minutes. And he really did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's amazing. He's also in Hill House, I believe, and Bly Manor, I believe. And he's great in both of those shows as well. So we need more of him. Yeah, everybody in this movie. Yeah, Ken, I kind of want to, I want a sequel so bad. I don't know what they would do in that. Ooh, what would they do as a sequel though? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is Elizabeth Moss being a superhero with the <laughs> <laughs> suits. Just switch up the fighting crime entirely. I want to know if she keeps the kid, and then I want to know if Sydney gets into Parsons. Also, that yeah, (laughs) we need to know. These are things we need to know. I mean, they show her taking the suit. I'm like, what is she gonna do with it? Maybe just ensure that nobody can have access to it. But I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, but I love it. But her donning the suit to kill him is great. So, and then the security footage just looks like he does it himself, and I'm like, yeah, as you should, my dear, as you should. Again, her acting skills with that, like, sobbing to nothing was so perfect. <laughs> right. Where she so calls 911, and, and then she steps out of the camera, and she's just like, hmm. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminded me of is um, in Get Out. Um, oh, my God. the Where are the keys? Yeah, with the keys. Where are the keys, Rose? She's <laughs> like, these ones? <laughs> Except this one, I was happy for her. Rose is the worst. The actual worst. I mean, that actress was phenomenal, but oh, my God, what a horrible character. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, literally the worst person. I can't even. But yeah, it kind of gave me tease of that just a little bit because she's she's she switched and it's great. It's amazing. She looks gorgeous. And just the last shot. I mean, it holds on her for a little bit of time. Um, it allows Elizabeth just to you know emote and just just make us feel all the feels. And yeah, good for her. So good. <laughs>
that was definitely our midsummer like <laughs> the like a little bit less toxic moment of midsummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was uh, I mean quite honestly with midsummer uh we, this we one was like far a, more justified. Yes, yes, very much that. Yeah, because even in Midsummer, we're like, oh, yeah, well, you know. Good for her, but this is still a white supremacist cult. So. Yeah, <laughs> very that. But yeah, it's a great movie. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, The Invisible Man, It again, it's probably the best film of 2020. Um, at least of the last couple of years or so. It's great. And it's just more movies like this. Like, I don't know. It's just great. Very character driven and uh, like, yeah, I don't know if somebody can like lead a film as well as Elizabeth does, then I mean, give me more of it in horror because I love it. This was the first Universal Monster remake, I believe, right? So I think it was a perfect starting point. Every other film has so much to live up to now. Like if this, this is the bar, I don't know what they're going to go from here, but um, I think it's incredible. And I really wish more people would watch it because like, even people that aren't necessarily horror fans, I think can really appreciate how genius this movie is. It struck me as being very similar to like an exorcist type movie that like even people that don't like horror will think it's smart and will really like it. And also the story itself is, it's important to be told. And, you know, the fact that we can also look at it through a universal monster character, it's just, it's brilliant and it's great. It's awesome. And I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out because it gives me a lot of hope for the next ones, like the Ryan Gosling Wolfman. I think it's just, it's really cool. I can't wait to see what they do. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited. I really am. And more Lee Winnell, as always, amazing. His journey has been amazing. I love right? Lee <laughs> So <laughs> we just, I love him. He's, I think he's my, by far, like my favorite screenwriter. This is the movie that solidified that for me. I was like, oh, he's the best in the game. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. He's amazing. Morley Winnell. And yeah, I mean, I guess overall then, how do we feel about the movie? I guess if we were to rate it out of five stars, what would we be giving her? Corey? Oh, I give it five out of five. Definitely. Ten out of five. (laughs) I think it's a perfect movie. Yeah, I'm there. I'm like four and a half, five. Love it. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely sit in the same area. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not one for rating movies. Um, But yeah. Like, I I don't know. There's not really anything that I would change about this movie at all that I can think of. So. Besides the dog. I wanted more of the dog. Yes. <laughs> the dog gave a hell of a performance. He um, did. Scene stealer. Setting off alarms with my ass. I aspire. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire. So he's an icon. <laughs> he had too much cake. It was, he was right. just too thick. <laughs> he really was. The eternal struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. And of course, Corey, thank you so much for joining us to talk about The Invisible Man. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) You're graduating. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) The world is right in front of you. And quite honestly, just the work that you do is amazing. Truly, honestly. I mean, when I started reading your blog, obviously you were 17. And like, if I just, if I was able to just put as much passion as you do out into the universe at 17... I mean, Lord only knows where I could be. So just keep doing what you're doing because it's, it's it's honestly so inspiring. And thank you. Keep up the good work because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely excited to see where you go from here because obviously it's it's only up from here because high school is bullshit. So <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> a long time coming. You deserve it. And yeah, it only goes up from here. Where can people find you? 
um, my blog, gorycory.com. And then I am at gorycoryhorror on Twitter. And I'm pretty much on Twitter 24 seven. And I am at underscore gorycory underscore on Instagram. And then you can find my podcast, The Scream Teens on the Anatomy of a Scream Network. Wonderful. Well, as we said, thank you again for joining us. And thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Mikasa is Sukasa. <laughs> if you ever end up in Vegas, there we go. We'll, we'll wait till you're 21. We'll be old as fuck, but you know. <laughs> and Stormy, where can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle at slash underscore her underscore pod you can find us on spotify podcasts apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and podbean uh we love you so much thank you everybody check out gory Corey and stay spooky guys stay spooky everybody bye, bye.